Locked On Texans, your daily Houston Texans podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to another installment of Locked On Texans, your daily podcast covering your favorite football team every single day. And as always, I'm your host, Texans reporter for ESPN Houston, Cody Davis, along with my partner in crime. I'm just a regular guy. John, summer sports guy, Hickman, the other half of the Locked On Texans duo, your team every day on the Locked On Podcast Network. This episode is brought to you by none other than Pepsi. Why? Because this football season has been totally different. Pepsi is here to get us ready for each and every game day, no matter how we watch it on your phone, on the TV screen, if you're trying to sneak and watch it at work, like I do, Pepsi is here for you. Pepsi is a refreshment you need to power through game day and become a member of the League of Football Watchers. Our, us, together, we're the passionate fans that are the real generational talent that Pepsi fuels because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game. It's made for those who watch it. Ladies and gentlemen, tonight I hope you excuse me. I am a little under the weather uh, two days before a big day, and I hope this goes away pretty fast, but... Uh, this is the crossover edition. We will be joined by every city of the Locked On Coast as we prepare to take them on on Sunday. We know last week we lost to the Chicago Bears in an embarrassing fashion. The week before that, we lost in a heartbreaking fashion. Rock Coding and I ultimately believe we're getting another loss on Sunday. So don't get your hopes up too high, but we will have our crossover edition for today. But first, let's talk about the hot news in Houston. Cody, listeners at home, Lewis Riddick. Officially got the interview for the Houston Texans on Wednesday. One of the hottest names around the NFL uh, interview for a couple of GM jobs last year. I think ultimately uh, just wasn't the right fit for him in a few places. But previously, we know Lewis Riddick from his time with Philly. We know him now as an ESPN analyst on Monday Night Football. And there's been some good things heard around the league about Lewis Riddick. Great communication skills. His ability to articulate his thoughts uh, works well with the players, being he is a former player himself. Anonymous NFL sources speak highly of Lewis Riddick. Also, there has seemingly been an overwhelming support from a few Texans players in regards to him coming on in Houston. The entire general manager position for Houston, he spoke about it before. He, he has... He's giving a high praise to Deshaun Watson before, uh, and he knows that coming into this job, he's going to need the patience. He's going he's to have to understand that it will take some time to build what he wants to build, ultimately, as a GM. But I like this move. I like the move. If the players like the move, they're the ones that's suffering on Sundays, Mondays, Thursdays, and every now and then a Saturday. If the players like the move, if we're hearing NFL sources around the league speaking highly of him, because of his background, then I, as an analyst, should have no problem with giving him an opportunity to help this team build himself, build themselves from where they are right now. I like the move of the Houston Texans bringing in Lewis Reddick. Um, apparently, the Texans themselves like it as well because they actually tweeted about the meeting from their Twitter account. And and I'm not too sure if they would have not done so if they did not feel that he was a top candidate. However, I say to a certain extent because I just want to know what is his track record. It's not like we're sitting here talking about a proven GM guy like Ed Dice, a guy who actually is responsible for putting together the Seattle Seahawks championship team 
orchestrating the Legion of Boom and putting together another championship contending team with the Indianapolis Colts, headlined by his top draft selection in Darius Leonard. And I understand your point about his track record. I, I totally do because, you know, as I mentioned, if you're going to come into this position, you have to understand what you're getting yourself into. There's going to be a lot of mud you have to walk through to get to some good days on the pavement. But his track record does speak. Drafting Jason Kelsey, drafting Deshaun Jackson, also helping the Eagles land Michael Vick in free agency, Asante Samuels in free agency. So he's able to do it in the draft and uh, in free agency. And I think when we look at Houston, I think free agency is a big key for them next year. Not going to have a lot of money to play with, but they're going to still need to fill roles that are very needed. And I think Lewis Riddick with a great eye for talent uh, and understanding how the NFL works on both sides as a player and as an executive, it helps Houston now. As you mentioned, I love Ed Dodds. I really do. And if Ed Dodds is the guy that Houston feels uh, above all is the number one prospect for them, then they'll bring him in. We haven't heard anything yet. The coach are on a roll. We'll talk to Evan in a little bit about the coach, but they're on a roll. Nobody's really interviewing anybody from the coach. They had their opportunity to talk to uh, Lewis Riddick. And I like the, the possibility of him landing in Houston. Also noteworthy, Houston did have an informal meeting with John Dorsey. And the search firm reportedly will push for him to be a finalist. All this talk of who the next general manager going to be is really kind of getting us a little bit too ahead of ourselves. Why? Because we still have a game on Sunday against the Indianapolis Colts. The last time we met, we had that heartbreaker. What will happen this Sunday? Probably the same result, a loss, but even worse. Don't worry. I'm going to talk to Evan Sittery from the Locked On Coach. Can't go anywhere, guys. You know, I also want to tell you guys about Built Go, right? It's it's just amazing. It's kind of sweeping the, the workout nation. It's sweeping the gyms. It's keeping everybody where they need to be. And uh, Built Go just makes you the best you at whatever you do. That's what it does. That is the main objective. Whether it's a mental or physical wall, break right through it with Go every day. Easy to take in a 1.5 ounce packages. Put it in your briefcase for the most focused presentation ever. If you're playing some flag football with your boys, it's good for that. Or you can just put it in your pocket to get through the day. Bilgo is the best workout gel on the market. It's a five-hour energy without the same crash feeling. Plus, it's so natural for the body. It's just completely better. It's like drinking a monster with a third of caffeine and better results. With three delicious flavors. Peanut butter, honey, chocolate, coconut, and my favorite, chocolate mint. I like mint. You know, mint, mint, it gives you like this fresh feeling at the end. You know what I mean? Whenever you drink it or eat it. Built Go combines energy gel with a collagen protein. Collagen protein is fast absorbing, so it gets into the system fast. Plus, it's easy on the stomach. Built Go is loaded with good stuff. And it's great to ignite your work. It ignites my work as well. Visit BuiltGo.com and use promo code LOCKED, L-O-C-K-E-D, and you'll get 30% off your next order. Use promo code LOCKED, L-O-C-K-E-D, for 30% off at BuiltGo.com. Let's go! Hello, everybody. Welcome back into your latest crossover special here on the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm Evan Sidery, the host of Locked On Colts. Joined by Cody Davis and John Hickman of Locked On Texans. Guys, how you doing today? Doing well, man. How you doing, man? Uh, sounds, it feels like we just did this, what, a week ago, and now we're back at it again? Yeah, man. It's a quick turnaround, uh, two weeks for, between these games. In Houston, the first game, now in Indianapolis for the second game. 
two teams that I feel like are kind of going in different directions, which is crazy to say after what we were talking about last last time on the show, the Texans winning 405. But after that ugly loss in Chicago, Cody, I'll head out and start with you, and then John, you can chime in after that. I mean, what was it like just watching that game on Sunday where the Texans kind of just, quite frankly, just got their butts whooped on both sides of the football? Well, in the words of Romeo Cannell and J.J. Watt, it was just flat-out embarrassing. It was uninspiring, you know, especially to go from one of the best performances that they put on the week prior, which was against the Indianapolis Colts, and then to just lay an egg in Chicago. And there are several different ways you could look at this game, but I don't want to give Houston an excuse, but it's like I said during our Monday recap show, the Texans did not have enough weapons to compete with. No team can win a game with your third string or practice squad players. And coming into this game, the Texans were already without Will Fuller. They were already without Bradley Roby due to suspensions. David Johnson was out due to COVID reasons. Brandon Cook was out due to a neck injury. Pharaoh Browns was out due to a concussion. And Phillip Gaines was out due to a shoulder injury. Then in the middle of the game, Justin Reed, Brandon Dunn, both of those guys get hurt. They're out for the season. Duke Johnson, Charles who and Deshaun Watson all got hurt to the point they had missed a couple drives. So... That is part of the reason why they put on such a terrible show in Chicago. Yeah, John, do you think that was the worst loss of the season for Houston? I think so. I think so. Well, I actually think the worst losses for Houston this season was actually in back-to-back weeks with you guys and then Chicago. And I, I say the Colts because how we lost, the fashion we lost was a heartbreaker. And at that time, that win would have kept Houston alive in the playoffs, right? I mean, if they would have extended it to the eight seed, then Houston would be alive. So that was one of those bad losses. But I think when you look at the Chicago Bears loss, that was just a complete embarrassment of a loss. Like, nothing that you did looked good. And going into that game, the 2017 draft was talked about the entire week, right? How do you pass up on Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes for Mitchell Trubisky? Well, he goes out there and he has a, well, shut the hell up game. You know, three touchdowns, zero interceptions, and was torching Houston all from short intermediate passes. There was nothing Houston could do. And then Allen Robinson goes out, who we talked about last week, possibly coming to Houston. We already know that he wants out of Chicago. His contract is up, possibly him coming to Houston he puts on a defensive, I mean, offensive performance that was great. And then defensively, they're everywhere. Houston allows seven sacks. So those two back-to-back losses were the worst two losses of the season. But the Chicago was just a complete slap in the face because we saw the potential the week prior. And then, boom, as Cody mentioned, you're out a lot of players. Let's hit on that game from two weeks ago. I mean, the ending of that game was crazy. A back-and-forth one as well. I mean, Deshaun Watson was on fire in that game. The Colts' offense, Jonathan Taylor, was running the ball at will in that game as well. The Colts' defense, as they always have throughout this year, they've shut the Texas down the second half of that game. But that was the first time you guys saw them up close this year in Houston. What was your assessment of that Colts team when they played the Texans? Hard-ass team, man. Just one of those well-coached, hard teams, right? And they use everything – uh, on their roster to try to get a dub. And one thing I like about the Colts, because I've been following them throughout the year, they've had wins where, okay, you should have taken care of that team, right? 
and that's good. Like you look at the win over the Vikings at the time at the beginning of the season, the Jets early on, the Bears early on. Uh, they've had those type of wins. They've also had those wins against the Packers, right? Got to look at the win against the, the Tennessee Titans, their first go around. So they've had signature wins and wins uh, you knew they were going to take care of. And we saw that displayed the first time we played you guys. And I like that. Like, if you have to go ahead and throw in Jacoby Brissett because you need to continue to move the chains, go ahead and do it. We got it. We, we, we're not going to force Phillip Rivers at his old age to do that. They have talent. Uh, the running back, the rookie running back over there, Jonathan Taylor, he started to catch some steam, uh, averaging 4.5 yards per carry, six to- total touchdowns uh, on the year, six rushing touchdowns on the year. He's a good uh, back, young back for them. And they're doing it collectively uh, with the receivers as well. Like not one outstanding receiver. We know how great T.Y. Hilton has been in the past, but he's past that prime, right? But he's still getting those numbers. But everybody else is getting involved. They have three different receivers with 400 yards, not named T.Y. Hilton. And that just speaks collectiveness uh, on the offensive end. And defensively, they just know how to go out there and, and they, they punish you. This is a well-coached team. Uh, they drafted well. They got who they needed. And they, they put it together. And Indy, do I think they're a real threat? Not really. I think Patrick Mahomes uh, is one of those guys where I don't want to bet against him because I think I'm going to lose every time. But they can make some noise and, and maybe make it harder for the AFC champs and the Super Bowl champs because they can eliminate somebody. or You never know what the Colts can do. They're just that good of a team overall. And I like that. Yeah, this Colts team definitely is really starting to catch fire a little bit. Cody, let me ask you real quickly, last few questions I had before we transition over to the Colts and talk a little bit as well about our predictions for a second again on Sunday. What's the update on Deshaun Watson? I mean, I saw I didn't watch the full game for the Texans versus the Bears on Sunday, but I did see I was watching NFL Red Zone, and I saw Deshaun Watson got hurt. Is there any chance he missed the game on Sunday? What's the latest update on Deshaun? No, he is not missing the game on Sunday. Deshaun Watson is 100% healthy. Like I mentioned, he got a little banged up in Sunday's game against the Chicago Bears, but he only hit his funny bone. We all know how annoying and, and, and the agony you can feel when you hit your funny, when you hurt your funny bone. Um, but it's funny that you bring up his status because a lot of us here in Houston would much rather see Deshaun Watson and J.J. Watt actually sit the remainder of these last three games. Even John and myself, we even talked about this on our last show. At this stage in the season, one, you need to find out who, what you have in your younger guys. But two, and most importantly, you don't want to risk having Watson and Watt go out there and sustain an injury that can put them on the shelf for next season as well. And we all came to this realization when we saw Deshaun Watson laying down on the field a little bit longer than we all expected. You know, we've seen Deshaun Watson take hits before. He lays down on the ground. Sometimes he takes a little bit longer just to catch his win. But this this was a little bit different. And you can actually feel heart starting to drop in the city of Houston. It's like, oh, my God, you know, we have one superstar player that's trying to force his way out of Houston. Now we're about to lose another superstar player due to injury. The city of Houston is going through a lot right now. And the last thing they need is to see one of their franchise players in J.J. Watt and Deshaun Watson actually get hurt. And next thing you know, they cannot play for the 2021 season. But Watt and Watson has said that if they are healthy, they're going to play. Got a two-parter here for you. John, I'll start off with you and then go to Cody. 
how, what would you guys rather have at this point? Would you rather have Larry Tunsil on his long-term contract? I know that trade last year, sending out Clowney. Then later on, you get Larry Tunsil sending out two first-round picks. I mean, right now, I'm looking at the draft order. Texas would have the eighth overall pick in this draft. If they lose out. That's possibly a top-five draft pick. Does it hurt at all, John, to think that the Texas could have a top-five draft pick this year? Maybe get Jamar Chase out of LSU, that elite wide receiver to replace DeAndre Hopkins or any of those star defense players in this draft class? Or would you rather have Larry Tunsil on his deal? Man, that's a great question. That is a wow. That's a great question. I think, man, you kind of have me stopped here only because nobody saw this happening. So at the time, I was all in on the trade. Like you, you have to get a premier tackle in this league to protect your quarterback. And considering Houston fans still have PTSD from David Carr. Houston fans before the trade had PTSD of watching Deshaun Watson get beat up way too much. Uh, but as I look at this season, I would lean towards having those draft picks. Honestly, uh, when I look at this season, I think first and foremost, Mike Devlin has done a uh, horrendous job of developing his interior guard, interior guards. And that has really damaged what Larry Tunsil can do because teams are noticing that. And then they're able to stunt all day. They're able to throw different uh, looks at that left side, and it's really uh, depleting what Larry Tunsil has been able to do since he's gotten to this NFL league. Uh, and as much as I want to continue to have somewhat of a premier left tackle for Deshaun, we had a game where Roger Johnson, number 63, stepped in for when Larry Tunsil was out, and he didn't allow a sack, and he looked damn good. Uh, now, one thing I will say is Deshaun Watson has done a better job this year, more times than not, in helping out his offensive lineman because his pocket presence has gotten that much better. But I think I will go with the, the uh, first and second round picks. Cody, let me ask you, man, what would you do in that situation looking back on now a year later, seeing how the Texans are kind of in that position where they could have a top 10, top five draft pick? Would you rather have Larry Tunsil on his big contract, make it $20 plus million dollars a year? Would you rather have a guy like a Jamar Chase to replace DeAndre Hopkins or even one of those elite defensive prospects in his draft class instead? I don't know. This is a real – it, it, it seems like now I'm stuck between a rock and a hard place because when that trade happened, I was all in for it. Just like John said, like nobody – could have predicted the Houston Texans would be in this situation a year later after that trade was made. The way I was looking at it, not only did we get one of the best left tackles in the National Football League, we was actually getting another target in Kenny Stills. So I'm like, we get a premier left tackle and we get another option for Deshaun Watson to go along with Will Fuller and then DeAndre Hopkins. I was all for the trade. But now it's like the only guy that's left in this deal is Laramie Tunsil. And Laramie Tunsil this season, he he hasn't had a bad year. But in my opinion, I don't think it was as good as his first year. And I say that, and, and it's probably not too much a reflection on him, more so that it seems like this offensive line as a whole has just – taking a step back because this year, especially the interior offensive line has just looked terrible. But what I will say is this, at the end of the day, the most important player in this organization is Deshaun Watson. And you have to protect your most important asset. And in order for you to do that, you have to continue building an offensive line. And 
Laramie Tunsil, along with Titus Howard, is a great foundational piece to make sure that you protect Deshaun Watson at all costs. Good stuff there from Cody and John. We're going to move on to our next segment of the show, talk about the Colts and closing with our predictions. Before we do so, a quick word here from our sponsors. And this football season will be a little bit different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day no matter how you watch this season. Pepsi is a refreshment you need to power through the game day and become a member of the League of Football Watchers. These passionate fans like you and I, like the entire world, especially after Thursday night football game, we're the real generational talent that Pepsi fuels, right? We don't go out there on the field. We may not catch passes, but we are the passionate fans. And because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game, it's made for those who watch the game. Pepsi, made for football watching. Welcome back in, Colts and Texans fans. This is the crossover edition of Locked On Podcast Network that we do every Thursday, you guys know, and we're just doing our AFC South talk between the Indianapolis Colts and the Houston Texans. But don't forget to check out Friday's show where we give you the last updates of many injuries, any changes to your team, which we do every day on the Locked On Podcast Network. Uh, you know what, Evan? I gave you guys a lot of props you know, when we discussed the Indianapolis Colts first, right? I mean, I, I like how this team is coached. I like how this team is put together. Uh, also, I want your guys – I want Ed Dotson. I want, I want Ed Dotson in Houston because he knows how to draft and he knows how to draft late. So he was able to be a part of the process to put this team together. But overall, we've got to talk about what's going on this season from Sunday that's coming up from two Sundays ago. Why have this team with a very old Phillip Rivers, who I thought was done after last year, uh, a rookie running back who's caught fire as of late, why have they been so good? And how are they – I'm not going to call it overperforming, but they're performing really damn good. Yeah, I think it has a lot to do, honestly, with COVID-19, the shortened offseason, honestly. It took Phillip Rivers a little bit of time to get adjusted. I know he had a history of Frank Reich, but going from L.A. and that playbook to Indianapolis to the new playbook took a little bit of time. We saw in the first five weeks of the season, Phillip Rivers actually had more interceptions than touchdowns, four touchdowns and five interceptions in the first five games. But over the Colts' last eight games, though, guys, he has 16 touchdowns to four interceptions, almost a 70% completion percentage as well. He just looks magnificent right now. He looks like a top-10 quarterback. And Jonathan Taylor, too, I think a lot of that has to do with, uh, once again, just the lack of an offseason. You have no OTAs. You have no rookie minicamp. Jonathan Taylor looked flat out, I think, just pretty disappointing in the first few months of the season. But over the last month, PFF actually has him raised as the number one running back in the NFL. He has over 400-plus yards from scrimmage in his last three starts as well. As you guys know, against Houston, he really ran wild against them, did the same thing against Vegas last week. He's just coming to his own right now. He looks like a future top 10 running back in this league as well. I just think a lot has to do with coming together chemistry-wise. Even the defense, too. They had their struggles week one against Jacksonville. They're only, they're only lost this – the Jacksonville Jaguars only win this year, excuse me, was against the Colts team, and they just looked flat-out terrible in week one. But outside of that, the defense looked fantastic. I just think it has a lot to do, like you mentioned the first time, John, just this team is very well coached, very well disciplined. They know how to get to their reads fast on both sides of the football. And they're just a veteran team with a lot of leaders on it. I think if you had a lot, a good structure in place, a lot of good things are going to happen here. The Colts are six and two in their last eight games, and I think honestly, there's a good chance they run the table the rest of the way. They play the Steelers next week after Houston. I think Pittsburgh looks pretty vulnerable right now. They close at home against Jacksonville. I think this Colts team is going to be a 12-win football team in the playoff football. And with the way they're playing right now, I would not be shocked at all to make a deep playoff run. I think the way they're playing on both sides of the football, they're not a team you want to face in January. Yeah, and speaking of them making a deep run in the playoffs, um, I actually want to backtrack a little bit and talk about Jonathan Taylor. Do you think he is actually the 
the key to get this team to, let's say, the AFC championship game? Because now you guys can attack a team on the ground. And Jonathan Taylor, the last three weeks, this guy has averaged 110 yards on 55 carries to go along with two touchdowns. And we all know what he did last week against the Las Vegas Raiders when he recorded a career-high 150 yards. Yeah, it's, that's the big, I think, the missing ingredient for this offense was getting Jonathan Taylor going. And we've seen the last three weeks, the Colts offense looks fantastic now with Jonathan Taylor in there. He's averaging almost 100, like you mentioned, Cody, 110 yards per game his last three starts. And the Colts are just finding a groove now in those last eight games, especially in the last three games. They're averaging well over 30-plus points per game on offense. With the elite defense they have, if this offense can get to an above average to an elite level too, I mean, they're looking at a pretty, pretty damn good to me as far as being maybe a top-10 offense and a top-10 defense. If you have that missing ingredient with Jonathan Taylor in there for this offense in, in bad weather situations, say that to go to Buffalo, for example, or Pittsburgh or Kansas City in the snow, I really feel confident Jonathan Taylor is going to be fine in that situation because he played at Wisconsin. He's used to the cold weather. He doesn't fumble the ball much at all in the NFL. He's great at catching the football, which I think is pretty underrated right now for Jonathan Taylor. I think with the way the Colts are playing, especially Jonathan Taylor, with the way he's playing right now, the momentum he has, I think this, this team has a really good chance of making a deep run, like I mentioned. I think Jonathan Taylor, like you mentioned, Cody, is going to be the big focal point of this offense the rest of the way because he has fresh legs. They had a running back by committee for most of the season. Now it's really Jonathan Taylor as the workhorse running back. It's looking an awful lot like Marlon Mack in 2018. He had a fantastic close to his season two years ago, really broke out on the national scene. I think we're seeing the same thing with Jonathan Taylor now, maybe even more upside than we saw at Marlon Mack in 2018. And with Jonathan Taylor being that primary back right now, that has truly helped out Phillip Rivers. And Phillip Rivers, who last year had 20 interceptions, right? Had nine through the first, I want to say five or six games. This year, he only has nine interceptions to go along with his 20 touchdowns. Uh, why has he been so effective and not turning the ball over but still helping this team score points? Because he's been very good uh, in that area. Yeah, he's been really awesome the last few months of the season. Like I mentioned, just a really rough first quarter of the year. But outside of that, he's been fantastic. He's really a top-ten quarterback in the NFL, in my opinion, since over the last two months. And it has a lot to do with, I think, Frank Reich's scheme of guys open, but also the offensive line. I mean, only 13 sacks so far this year. That's less than one per or that's one per game. And he had three against Houston. So really, if not for Chaz Green playing against the Texans and Anthony Costanza would have played in that game, I think he might have 10 or 11 sacks allowed this year. And that just shows you how good this offensive line is. They're really balanced, too. They have, of course, Jonathan Taylor, Naeem Hines in the backfield as well. Would have been even better if Marlon Mack was healthy. I think that would have been lethal if Mack played this year. But it just overall, it's very complimentary football on the offensive end. You have just all the ingredients in place for Phillipers to just be a really, truly a game manager, almost like Ryan Tannehill, like we see in Tennessee. He has Derrick Henry. He has A.J. Brown. Philip Rivers has Jonathan Taylor. He has the offensive line. He has T.Y. Hilton, who's really coming to his own right now. He has Michael Pittman Jr. as well, the rookie that's ascending right now, wide receiver. It's really reminding me a lot of Ryan Tannehill last year. They made a deep playoff run for Tennessee where they had this elite running back. They had the receivers. They had the defense, too. This feels almost like a carbon copy of last year's Titans team to me. I feel like Philip Rivers might have more upside than Ryan Tannehill from last year just because we see the way Rivers is playing right now. He's familiar with Frank Reich's offense. Frank Reich is a great play caller as well. I think a lot of it has to do with Philip Rivers being so cerebral. He's one of the smartest quarterbacks in the NFL. He doesn't not to take hits at all, especially with this offensive line from him. He's not really ever getting touched in some games. He didn't get touched last week against the Vegas Raiders. So I think really with Rivers, he's just coming to his own right now. He's very comfortable. I think it's almost a guarantee at this point, guys. He's going to be back next year as a cold starting quarterback at age 40. Indy has been one of the best teams all season long, but the Texans nearly pulled off an upset two weeks ago. 
What did you see in that game that might have you a little bit concerned about Sunday's matchup? I think it's just one guy. I mean, it's Deshaun Watson. I mean, the Colts had their way against Deshaun Watson in 2018, that wild card game. But it looked like, like we talked about two weeks ago, guys, he just looks a lot more mentally like an elite quarterback. He had the athletic traits. He had the arm. But he's just a lot more cerebral now. He knows how to misplay defenses. It makes mismatches happen, even with, like, no wide receiver depth. Like you mentioned, Kiki Cutie out there was the number one wide receiver a couple weeks ago. Chad Hansen, too. I think it just goes to show you Deshaun Watson doesn't need a lot of pieces around him to make a lot of things happen, which makes me think if the like you mentioned the first time you John, if they get Allen Robinson, if they get a couple playmakers on offense to replace what DeAndre Hopkins did, add some more offensive linemen, I think this Texas team could really bounce back next year in a big way. I mean, Deshaun Watson's entering the prime of his career. He's the one guy you have to watch out for. I mean, Darius Leonard, as well as in the injury report this week, he has a back injury. He's going to play on Sunday, but he's, he did not look 100% in Las Vegas when they play against the Raiders. So I think this could be a matchup, again, where Deshaun Watson kind of has his way against his Colts defense, and that really does scare me. If Watson gets a groove early on, that, that's really what I'm most worried about. I mean, David Johnson, I think, has been a non-factor this year for the Texans in most games. So I'm not really worried about the Texans' running backs. But I think Deshaun Watson, even without the wide receivers around him, he's the one guy you got to watch out for because if he goes off, he's going to go off pretty big. Two weeks ago, we almost came out with the dub. Uh, but following that loss, we had a, a, a crusher in Chicago. But this upcoming Sunday, let's get your prediction on what you believe will happen when the Colts take on the Houston Texans. Yeah, I predicted last uh, the last time you guys were on together for a crossover, I said the Texans would win against the Colts in Houston. I was pretty close to being right on that one, just the way that Deshaun Watson was playing. But I think this time around, especially with the way they lost in Chicago, I'm worried about what could happen on Sunday. This Colts team is really rounding in the four right now. They look great on both sides of the football. The Texans are the exact opposite right now. Deshaun Watson, he of course, is an elite quarterback, but I feel like this team might be giving up on themselves a little bit the rest of the way. So I'm going to go with a double-digit win. I'm going to go the Colts double up the Texans here. 34 to 17. 34-17, Coach Way is actually a perfect score. I can see it going 34-10. Uh, but I'm going to go with – I mean, you know what? Let me meet you guys. I'm going to go 34-13. I think okay. Deshaun gets at least one touchdown. I mean, he got one against Chicago. I think he can score at least one touchdown against uh, the Colts and then two field goals. I think that's, you know, pretty fair. But the Colts, no matter what the score is, will win this game. Yeah, I totally agree with you guys. I think we're all agreeing the Colts might blow up this Texans team on Sunday. I'd be shocked if the Texans keep it close in this one when they're in Lucas Oil Stadium on Sunday. Appreciate everyone listening on, on our crossover special here. Evan Sider of Locked On Colts, joined by Cody Davis and John Hickman of Locked On Texans. Whatever stream platform you're listening to, Apple Music, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you're listening to us, make sure to subscribe to Locked On Colts and Locked On Texans. Appreciate the time, guys. You are Locked On Texans, your daily podcast on the Houston Texans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.